Tonight we're going to continue in our verse-by-verse study. We're going through uh, the book of 1 Peter. Today we're going to continue in the second chapter. We've made our way into the second chapter. Today we're going to look at a question, and it really comes from two verses. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10 today, but, but a question for us uh, to think about, and that question is this. What are you built for? What are you built for? What is, what is your purpose? Uh, do you realize you're built for something? Uh, are you built for something? And if you are built for something, what is it that you're built for? I want to tell you this. I want to do what I'm built to do. What God intended for me to do is what I want to be found diligently at work doing. So the question is, what is it that you're built for? In life, sometimes it is obvious what a person's built for. Sometimes we just know what a person's built for. Sometimes it's hard for us to, to see. Uh, I can think very quickly about in high school. Uh, I could see very quickly. Others could see it very quickly. I was not built for the high jump. I was not built for the long jump. Uh, I really wasn't built for any kind of jump. Uh, wasn't built for the 40-yard dash, the 100-yard dash. Wasn't built for any kind of dash. Uh, there's some folks built for that. Well, think about this today. As a Christian, and this is what we're talking about in our men's lunch, as followers of Jesus Christ, do you know you have a purpose? Do you know you have a mission and do you know what that is? Now, well, I have a specific gifting or I'm built to do this or I'm built to do that. Uh, that's great. We could talk a lot about that. But did you know as a follower of Jesus Christ, all of us, we have a purpose. We have a mission. We're built for something. Last week, if you remember last week, uh, in our verses leading up to our verses today, we saw that Jesus is either your cornerstone, uh, he's the bedrock, he's the foundation, the rock of our salvation. He is, he is either your cornerstone or he is your stumbling stone. He is the stone of offense. And really, uh, what we do with him, uh, what we believe about Jesus is what decides that. And we, and we talked about last week, you know what, it all comes back to Jesus Christ. And that's why we're quick to preach about Jesus Christ. That's why we want to be quick to point to Jesus Christ. That's why it matters what we teach about Jesus Christ. We want to have a biblical view, a correct view of who Jesus is. So last week, Jesus is either your cornerstone or he is your stumbling stone. Well, if Jesus is your cornerstone, if by faith he is your Savior, you've professed him as your Lord, God's word then goes on and begins to describe you. And that's the verses that we come to today. Now listen to this. Uh, I'm going to read both verses together and then we'll start to look at the verses. It says this. Verses ahead, he's either the cornerstone or the stumbling stone, a stone of offense. Verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the verses continue. It's just stacking on top of last week. If Jesus is your cornerstone, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible goes on. God and his word goes on to then describe us as followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to tie it into the verses coming later. Uh, it continues to stack, but I wanted to pull out and look at these two verses. First verse I want to look at in detail. I want to look at it in reverse order. I want to start today by looking at verse 10. Listen to verse 10 again. For you were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. 
You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now to understand that, to, to, to fully get that, we have to again look at it in context. Remember to whom he is writing. These people that received this letter, they have been laughed at. They've been cast out of their families. They've been cast out of their town, some of them all the way out of their country. They've been run off. They've been beaten. They're being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's the folks who received this letter. Now, these people are considered fools because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They're absolute fools. Uh, they've been run off. They're a people with no country. You know what? My home country didn't run, want me. They've run me off in persecution. I'm now living in a country where they don't want me there as well. Uh, they're people with no family. Uh, many of them had been disowned by their family, had been turned against by their family. These were a people who were rejected because of their faith in Christ, and now they're actually suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's to those people in that context that they receive this letter, 1 Peter, letter from Peter. Now think about that for just a second. They had to be pretty discouraged as they received this letter. You know what I heard about a risen, resurrected Savior? And I put my faith in him and, and I'm told that I'm made right and I'm reconciled with the Holy God because of faith in him. And I'm told he's coming again. And when he comes again, I'm going to be with him and we're going to rejoice for eternity. And I am excited about my faith in Christ. But now I'm rejected. Now my family has no use for me. My business has been taken away from me. I've been run to a foreign country. Think about how discouraged they must have been. And listen to what God says. You know what? You were not a people. But now you're the people of God. He says, even where you're at today, you know what? You had not received mercy, but through faith in Jesus Christ today, you have received mercy. Think about how it's starting to turn here. Now, what does that mean? Why does he say that? Let's go back to verse 9. I'm going to look at the first half of verse 9. Two, really, two things I want to pull out of verse 9. First is this. Who you are in Christ and that's going to be tied very closely to what we do because of Christ. So think about those two things as we head into, into verse 9. Again, looking at the first part of verse 9, it says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Verse 9, he's talking here to Christians. Uh, he is quoting some verses out of Isaiah chapter 8. Now, when it was spoken there, it was talking to Israel, but now these verses are being applied to Christians. These verses are being applied to believers. And listen to what he says here. This is who you are as believers. This is who you are as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, listen to what he says to him. He says, you are a chosen race, not an outcast, but a chosen race. Not chosen by a popular vote of the people, but chosen by God. That's talking to them. That's talking to us today as well. Hear that today. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we are a chosen race. It goes on and he says, you are a royal priesthood. Now they thought they'd become a bunch of religious rejects, but he says, you know, it's, you're not a religious reject. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you belong to a royal priesthood. You get to go to God. You don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to go to a priest. There's nobody to go between. You go to Jesus Christ. He is your intermediary. 
He says, you are a royal priesthood because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You know what? You can worship God. That's talking to us today. You can worship God. I don't have to go somewhere and tell them what I think of God, that they can offer my worship to him. We are part of a royal priesthood. I can worship God. I can go to God myself. It says this, you are a holy nation, a holy nation. And that was talking to Israel in the original context in Isaiah. Now talking to Christians, he says, you are a holy nation. Now what does that mean? It means you are a people set aside. The church, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are a people set aside. Now, I want to tell you, we've messed up our perception of the church today. Some people think, you know what, the church, that's a, that's a set of people that think they're better than everybody else. The church, that's a set of people with nothing better to do. They don't have anything else to do, so they, they gather up and they become the church. The church, that's a set of people, and they think, you know what, they can come and they can go, and there's no really reason, any reason to commit to them, and that's who they are. Or the church, that's a set of people, and they profess one thing, and they like to talk about one thing, and they like to, to proclaim one thing, but really in practice they live a different thing, and it doesn't look the same. And, and really these, these set of people, they may profess this, and they may all go here for certain times, but they really look like the world. I want to tell you what the truth is. The truth is, as the church, we are a holy nation, a people that have been set aside. We've been set aside to stand together and to stand out from a sorry culture. Do you understand? That's the picture of the church. We're a set-aside people. We're a different people. Set aside to stand out in a sorry culture. And then it says this, very awesome, pretty deep, very awesome. You are, because of Christ... And only because of Christ. Be sure and understand that. A people for God's own possession. That's what the Bible says. As a Christian, we are a people of God's, for God's own possession. See this. What that means is this. We're the people of God. Do you understand the hugeness of that? As a follower of Jesus Christ, we are the people of God. You know how awesome it is to be labeled a person of God because of faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's a big deal. We're not Satan's people any longer. We're not the world's people any longer. We're not the culture people. We're not even our own people. But as followers of Jesus Christ, you are, I am, we are the people of God. That's a big deal. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the 19th verse says, Do you not know that you're not your own? Verse 20 says this, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, I want you to see the picture of what that means for just a second. Because of Jesus Christ, because he goes to the cross and he pays the price of my redemption. And, and I want to tell you this, the blood of, of Christ is the currency that's exchanged there. His own life, that's the exchange rate that's set there. Because of Christ, we are purchased. And because we're purchased, we become the people of God. A people for God's own possession. Now, why does that matter? Let me tell you two reasons that matter. There, there may be more, but these are two that stand out to me. Two reasons it matters that you're a person of God's own possession. A person of God, the people of God. First is this. The world comes... And says this, you're worthless. You're of no count. You're of no value. 
You're, you're too far gone. And you know what? I can go back to God's word and say, you know what? I, I'm God's. And I, I was purchased by him. And he thinks enough of me that he exchanged his son on the cross of Calvary to purchase me back. And, and, and these folks here, they didn't have any place that wanted them. They didn't even have a place to go. The country they were in didn't want them. Talk about rejection. And God says to them, you know what? You're my possession. They didn't want you back in Israel. They don't want you over here in this pagan land. I'll tell you who you are. You're my possession. First reason that's a big deal is the world says, you know what? You're no count. You're no good. God says, you know, you're my possession. I purchased you. Second reason that's a big deal is this. When our will, our desires begin to flare up. And that's pretty common practice for us as, as followers of Christ. When I begin to say, you know what? I would rather do what I want to do. And I'm not going to walk in obedience. And I'm not going to listen to him anymore. You know what? It looks better over here. And it looks a lot easier over here. And it looks like it's more fun over there. And I've decided I'm going to start living again according to my will. Nope. I'm God's person. I've been purchased. I'm not my own. I belong to him. Listen to that again, Christian. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a set-aside people. You're a people of God's own possession. You are the people of God. Why? Why did God want them to know who they were? Why does God want us to know who we are? That's the question, why? Now think about that for just a second. He says, you know what, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. Why does he want us to know that? Is it so that we'll feel better. Now, we might feel better. We listen to that list, and I understand who I am in, in God's eyes. I might feel better, but I want to tell you, that's not the reason he tells us that. Is it so that we'll prosper? Man, I, I read that list. I might prosper. I might not prosper. But did, did he give me this list so I can go around and say, you know what, I'm a chosen this, and I'm a this and that, and I'm going to prosper in my earthly life. You know what, we might prosper. We probably won't. Not in the world's terms, but you know what, that's not right. It's in there. Is it so that we know how to endure the hardships of this life? You know what? It is hard. And I'll just tell you, it is hard. And if it's not hard, it's going to be hard. It is hard. Does he put this in there so that when we're going through the hardships of life, we can say, you know what? I am this, and I am a chosen race, and I am a royal priesthood, and this is going to help me endure these hard times. I want to tell you, it might help you endure. That's not why he puts it here. Why does he put it here telling us who they were, who we are, in Jesus Christ. This may surprise us because it's not about us. Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Listen, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a set aside people, a people for God's own possession. You're the people of God. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is why he puts it there. He wants you to know who you are so you can sit there and say, you know what, in my darkest hour, I know that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was condemned in my sin, but because of Christ, I'm forgiven. I was hopeless, but now in Christ, I have hope. I existed in utter darkness, but now I stand in his marvelous light. He tells us that so that we might, as grown men, proclaim the excellencies of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why he puts it in there. See the picture here. Here are these people, and it's not what they thought it was going to be. It's not turned out how they thought it was going to turn out. 
And they're sitting there and they've got to be discouraged. Oh, they've got to be discouraged. And God says to them, you know what? The world's rejected you. But in my son Jesus, I saved you. You know what? The world doesn't want you. But in my son Jesus, at the cost of his own blood, I purchased you. You know what, the world has cast you away, but through my son Jesus, I have drawn you near so that you might stand up and as a worshiping priesthood, as a people that are set aside unto God, as a person that belongs to him, you might say, look at my Savior Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the excellencies of my Savior Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about his power. Let me tell you about his might. Let me tell you about his provision. Let me tell you about the peace that passes all understanding. Let me tell you about his love that is eternal. Let me tell you that he's trustworthy and there is no shadow of turning with him. Let me tell you that his mercies are new every morning that he is absolutely faithful that we would stand up and say I am a royal priesthood a chosen nation a set aside people that I could point to Jesus Christ that's why we exist that's why you're built listen to me Christian we've been lied to we've been lured to sleep We've turned back to our old desires. If we got up today for any other reason but to point to the excellencies of Jesus Christ, we've gotten off track. Let us point to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Let's pray. During Father, we come today. And I'm thankful for these men who came to hear the word of God. I pray that you bless them. I pray that you've taught them, that you've instructed them. I pray that you've put in their heart the reason they exist is to point to Jesus. We come today and all the distractions of this day, all the distractions of this world, we want to put our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the creator through all things are made. Our King, the King of all the kings, our Lord, the Lord of all the lords, our blessed Redeemer, our Savior. We come and we point to Jesus and we see His character, we see His love, we see His grace, we see His forgiveness. We exalt the name of Jesus today. I pray as we leave this room, as we go back to our lives, as we go back to work, we would go as a people set aside with the mission to point to Jesus. Give us opportunities, give us boldness, and be glorified in it. And I tell you today, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.